hash mark angle to the left for Adams and Terry. 48-yard field goal attempt. Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good! It's good! It's good! Out in the ninth inning, here on the banks of the Mississippi River, the Red Sox need one more out. Swing a ground ball. Would you like to record? Yes. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode 38 of the Loudest Sports Show, uh, brought to you by the Dorkening Network and sponsored by Deadly Ground Coffee. I'm your host, Patrick Grayhall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life, uh, Slashes, the Ice Queen. Hi. Yeah, that's pretty much going to sum it up. And I am also joined by one half of It's Go Time with Jay and James. Uh, we are joined here today by uh, a man who likes to be referred to. Uh, you can call him James, but he really prefers you. You call him Jimmy Bells. That's uh, that's his gambling name, and uh, that's what he wants to go by. Uh, James, thank you for joining us. I know you are. Uh, you 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 talked to me the other day about joining to discuss the uh, Bruins post mortem, and we are absolutely going to do that today. But uh, first, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, very well. We were talking a little bit off air. Uh, we, me and my wife, were excitingly waiting for our daughter to show up. Um, so it's a lot of just hanging out, waiting for that. Um, you know, I joked around with uh, Jen the past week or so, um, and especially watching Game Six. Um, and I made a joke: um, is that if they won Game Six, I mean they're going to be disappointed on Wednesday or disappointed on Friday. So mm-hmm. whatever one you're going to do, just let me know. Um, but also, too, I made it being like, I don't want my daughter's first image of me yelling at the TV that Tuca can't stop a puck that's right in front of him. So, you know, I don't want that as the first memory of my daughter. So definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. But uh, we are definitely going to be talking about Tuca Rask and the Bruins. And uh, for folks who I have stats, seen- I'm all excited. I, I came prepared with notes yeah, you and stats. Everything. Uh, for folks who don't know, I did. Um, I did write a Bruins postmortem uh, on the uh, website. You know, uh, everything's Throwdown Thursday. Everything's under that Throwdown Thursday brand. So throwdownthursdaypodcast.com has our, uh, our um, whatchamacallit there, the, uh, the postmortem article. And it has, you know, some thoughts on, you know, stuff that we'll touch on tonight. But how the Bruins can actually get better next year and improve their core and stay under the salary cap. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little later, but we have our opening face off today. And the opening face off is uh, about which now retired player. Are you most likely to say, good. I'm glad he never got a ring. So because I kind of sprung this on everybody, I will, I will go first to give you guys uh, a little bit more time to, uh, 
to kind of uh, think about this and come up with your answers. So for me, I'm going to say Barry Bonds. Um, although I did see this very interesting uh, video the other day comparing Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent and like their kind of rivalry that they had while they were both uh, on the Giants uh, because it's funny how, you know, race comes into uh, sports so often because everything that Barry Bonds did and got ripped for by the media about how he was standoffish and, you know, he was kind of a jerk and, you know, he wouldn't, uh, you know, he hated the media. Um, Kent was pretty much the same way, but I want to say, uh, you know, Barry Bonds was a jerk and I know that there's a, uh, there's a, a story that I tell that I'm not going to tell cause I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but basically he, uh, he was more concerned with how much money he was going to make than how the team was going to do. You know, how, how if there were going to be improvements made. He didn't really care that much. He was very um, <clears throat> very concerned with his own stats. And um, there are a couple other factors that I put in there as well. But again, I don't want to get anybody in trouble because this isn't something that was widely reported or... Um, I mean, very few people even know about it, but I was in a unique position to, uh, to get this knowledge. Um, but I'm going to say Barry Bonds. I'm kind of glad he didn't get a ring because he's kind of a jerk. Um, came close in 2002, um, but the Angels were just too much for him. Sorry, John Lackey uh, was, too, was too much for your team there, uh, Barry Bonds. Sorry that you, you couldn't overcome John Lackey. Sorry. Sorry that was too much for you. But uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I will go because I will do yeah. a, a football oh, one. Oh, a football uh, one. A really football like one. Uh, Terrell Owens. Mm. Um, um, for me, it was always like he was fun to watch, but like all his off-field stuff and he's been a quarterback. He's been teammate. Like crap like that and like you know, stomping on the star and then playing for the Cowboys. Like later on, it's like, dude, like you don't deserve to be a champion. Like you are a freak athlete and I get that. And you're a hall of famer, but that's one guy I, I'm glad looking back and like never, ever got the hoist of Lombardi. Like, I mean, there's other dirtbags who did ha have hoist of Lombardi. Uh, the worst things. In, um, yeah. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, he, you know, he kind of how he burned his way out of every single franchise he worked with, um, you know, and left it in ruins and, you know, had, you know, and kind of was just like moving on to the next thing. And I, I was kind of glad when like no one was going to resign him. And like, he was like playing for like the bills and the bangles. And I'm like, you know, you've reached a point in your career when you're playing for those teams in the late nine, late, the late two thousands when they're just, you know, hot garbage. So he is definitely on top of my list of, for football is like who never got a ring. I will uh, I will say this though that performance he put on in the Super Bowl uh, against the Patriots, coming off of a broken leg, uh, which I did not expect him to play. I figured he had another month or so of of rehab coming out there, and you know he put up very similar stats to uh, to Dion Branch, who ended up getting uh, 
I think he got MVP of that game because he had like the 10 catches, which was a Super Bowl record. 11. He tied for the record of 11. 11. Owens had 10, Yep. you know, in the losing effort. And, and, like, and that's why I said he's a freak athlete and he's a Hall of Famer for a reason, but all his off-field he's crap. He's yeah, a, he's a pro. Fo- oh, he, yeah, he just got in. Yeah, all right. I'm just thinking like it was a long Remember, time. Remember, he, he didn't go to Canton. He did his own like, ceremony yeah, at Texas A&M or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, because I remember him like saying something about like you know you guys. Oh, he hates the NFL. He hates yeah, the, the NFL. You treated me. Now you want me to put on like a big show and everything. Yeah, I got you. Slashy. So I'm gonna go a completely different route than the both of you. Okay. And uh, Tanya Harding. Okay. She two-time Olympic figure skater. Never won any medals. I thought she got a bronze one year, didn't no. she? Yeah, I thought she got a bronze. No, apparently not. No, got the uh, um, got the info up right there. Yeah, no, no, she um never won, and I mean, obviously, and and she she didn't re- well, she retired, but she was forced to retire because she was banned from figure skating in 1994. That'll do it. Oh, she's a world champion. That's what she has. Yes, yeah, she's a a, a silver medalist in the 1991 World Championship. That's what I was thinking. And I know she tried. She tried. But that's the only uh, like adult figure skating medal that she has. I do recall her attempting to get on like the Finnish or or Norwegian team. And uh, there was a joke on Saturday Night Live where they said it was either those countries. Uh, once those countries rejected her, she was going to uh, try and skate for the Republic of White Trashistan. <laughs> no, and don't get me wrong. Like, uh, her story is really sad. I've seen I, Tanya, and it's not that I don't like Tanya Harding. I, I think she's a very interesting person, and we'll leave it at that. But the whole thing with Nancy Kerrigan just put a really bad taste in my mouth, and the way that that whole situation was handled. And the and, sex tape? Well, I, I'm not. I'm just talking about <laughs> stuff that impacted her on ice, you know, uh, relationships and performances and stuff. Like, you know, she could have been great. She, you know, wasn't like the other skaters. She didn't come from money like some of these other figure skaters. And figure skating, much like hockey, is actually a very expensive sport to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the coaching that you have to pay for. And it's pretty much all private coaching. It's the costumes. It's the makeup. It's the hair. It's it's everything that goes into each individual performance, you know. And then you have multiple Ice time or rink time, right? Like you know, there. And she just um, she didn't come from money like some of these other figure skaters did, you know. And and she really had to claw her way to where she was. And it's really a sad story because she had a lot of potential, but she just didn't. She, she kind of let it get way. to her, you know, and then instead of rising above it, she literally uh, kneecapped her competition. Right. She took out the competition, literally. And yeah, I, I just I mean, she didn't do it. And like I said, there's, also, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy and stuff the there. That's why the film I, Tanya, is so great. If you haven't seen it, definitely do it. It's uh 
it's it's really interesting the storytelling aspect of it it tells it from one character's point of view and then it shifts and you know it's like actually follow me i'll tell you what really happened so it's it's kind of cool seeing as there's a lot of uh Plus said, there's a lot Roddy of she's great oh well, oh yeah she's fucking and, and sebastian stan is in it too as her ex-husband Dan. yeah so uh but anyways yeah i have to, I have to i'm really glad that you know despite everything that she could have been the path that she chose i'm mm. glad she didn't get a gold or, or any medal in the in the, the olympics all right that's a solid pick uh so folks at home let us know your thoughts why i remember that why uh let Th- that's, that's me after the last game yeah of the bruins why, why? is Tuka still in? we'll touch on tuca and the rest of the nhl stuff uh in a, in a few minutes but first we're going to take a quick break so let us know if you guys have any different uh choices you know maybe uh you hate drew bledsoe and you're glad bledsoe never got a ring i don't know uh he did get a ring i was gonna say he yeah i was gonna say personally uh i would say that was dumb because he was on that team uh in 01 that got the ring but he also won he also won the afc championship game for them yes but you know you can't lose your starting job to injury is what belichick said even though that's exactly how he lost his starting job but hey you know we're not here to relitigate the past um because i do have some uh, patriot stuff i want to talk to you about james and there's a uh, specific thing that's been going back and forth uh on sports talk radio but folks you can reach us at the loudest sports show at gmail.com uh give us your thoughts on uh this topic or any other one and uh we'll be back in just a moment huh i really want to caffeinate myself and others and support small businesses but without having to put pants on i wish there was a way to do that i know i'll ask reflexa reflexa what can i do to caffeinate myself along with others and support small businesses without putting on pants. Here is a targeted ad based on my constant surveillance of your thoughts and actions. Wait, what? Are you looking for a way to caffeinate yourself and others and support small business without having to put on pants? Well, then head on over to DeadlyGroundsCoffee.com. Deadly Grounds Coffee has smooth, rich flavors to satisfy the cravings of everyone on your list. From traditional flavors like pumpkin spice and French roast to more daring flavors like Hell's Fury, Highland Zombie Grog, Day of the Dead Roast, and Witch's Brew. And now, for a very limited time, you can try Butch Patrick's Dragula Dark Roast. Butch Patrick is known around the world for his role as TV's Eddie Munster. And when we deadly grounded him at a horror convention, he became such a big fan of our coffee that he hand-selected one of the roasts to make his very own. With most of the conventions on hold, Butch made available a limited supply of his Dragula Dark Roast, named after one of the coolest cars in television history. Personally autographed for our Deadly Grounds coffee fans, it's a delicious roast, silky smooth with a sweet finish. Perfect for any time of day and great for the coffee and Butch fans on your holiday shopping list. This is only available while our limited supply lasts, so hurry and get yours today. This holiday season, it's time to get a little deadly. Go on, you deserve it.
In a world swarming with boring, predictable awards shows, what will separate from the rest? Rise above and unite the podcasting realm in a testament to the outstanding achievements of the community. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards. Podcasters, YouTubers, and Twitch streamers, now is your time. Make your voices heard and submit your program by going to amalga-mania.com for all the details, submission categories, and guidelines. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards, the summer's biggest blockbuster event. You don't want to miss it. This is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I'm here to tell you about Slip Sports. All new clients for this online sports book receive $100 in free play just for signing up. From the casual players to the high rollers, everybody can take advantage of this offer and the live betting, online casino, horse racing, and more. Sign up with the Freeman app and send a request to basketballjones at post.com to get started. Tell them the angry nerd sent you. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? Then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars as well as Hall of Famers. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. Hi, this is Larry Bird calling. Listen, I've decided I don't want to be involved in any way. And we are back. All right, we got a lot to cover. We got we got James here from It's Go Time with Jay and James. So let's uh, let's talk. Let's start talking about some of the NHL stuff. So, uh, Slashes, take it away. So, NHL awards the update to start this off. The Hart Memorial Trophy, which goes to the MVP of the season. Nominees are Austin Matthews of the Leafs, Nathan McKinnon of the Avs, and Connor McDavid of the Oilers. Which goes almost, it's almost exactly the same list as the Ted Lindsay Award for Most Outstanding Offensive Player. Yeah, yeah. Except uh, swap out McKinnon with Sidney Crosby. So the James Norris Memorial Trophy. Who do you think is going to get it? Well, I thought we were going to wait. Well, let's let's do do each one. Fine, fine. Um, Who do I think is going to get it? McDavid. Connor McDavid. How about you, James? What do you think? Uh, I have McKinnon because Connor McDavid also has Drysidle there too, which helps him a lot. Um, McKinnon, um, McKinnon has Landeskog. Still, I think I think you're going to get it. Avs. I think the I think McKinnon's going to get it. I see. I think it should have been Marshand because you know, like Matthews was great in a terrible division. Um, McKinnon. Yeah, his team won the President's Trophy. But, I mean, at least they chose players who represented teams that actually went to the playoffs. Yeah, unlike other sports. And we'll get to that when we get to baseball. But, uh, you know, it, it makes sense for them to to do that. I don't know. I mean, I, it could go to Austin Matthews as well. No. Uh, fuck Austin Matthews' mustache. <laughs> we know how I feel about that. 
I no, because no, no. I know they won their division, but the okay, division well, was terrible. Gil, but I, I said, yeah, I think it's going to go to Connor McDavid. I but... do too, and I think he's going to get the Ted Lindsay Award as well. So the James Norris Memorial Trophy, which is awarded to the defensive player who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in that position. So it's almost like the you know, best defenseman award. Um, the nominees are Adam Fox from the Rangers, Cole McCarr from the Avs, and Victor Hedman from Tampa. So it's probably going to go to Hedman because he has the most points. And I hate the fact that the Norris Trophy yeah. keeps going to the defenseman that has, you know, it's all and offensive. It's, it's but, criminal that Charlie McAvoy is not on this list. Yeah, that kind of irritated me because McAvoy anchored that defense and was easily the because best Because this award player. used to be, you know, the, the best defenseman, you know, these, these defensemen who almost act as second goalies sometimes. You know, I thought about that when I was doing my, my article. And a lot of the defensemen who were getting it forever, um, they have, it's been guys who score. Bobby Orr won it eight straight years. Yep. You know, Nicholas Lidstrom, who was a phenomenal defenseman for the, uh, the uh, uh, Red Wings. I think really, you know, the last time then somebody create, who won uh, then it, then create an offensive defenseman award. I said, I said it should be. Well, if you look at the definition, who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in that position? Yes, all in around that position, all-around ability in that position. I think they should do. They should call it the Bobby Orr Award, and uh, have it be the opposite of the Selkie, where the Selkie is the best defensive forward. This should be the best. Uh, offensive defenseman. Give him the Bobby Orr Award, and it's the the flying goal statue. Oh my God, that would be amazing. But I think Hedman's going to take it. James, where do you land on that? Um, I actually think it's going to be um, Cole McCarr uh, of the Avs again. Um, okay. He, you know, he won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he won Rookie of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, was. Uh, the, the best player in college with UMass, uh, you know, they were, they were, you know, they lost the national championship the year that he was there, but he's been an instant upgrade on the defensive core for the Avs since he's been there. He's gotten better. He's gotten stronger. He, you know, he feels more confident with the puck than he did last year. And he's starting, you know, he, he looks, just looks like he's, he's, he, he if you watch him, you can't tell that he's been a uh, player for two seasons. He's only a he, top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, he's definitely, you know, on that number one pairing for a reason um, in Colorado. And it helped Colorado when Colorado was going through a shake, but the knowing that they had him there, you know, he had a healthy season. There was no issues with him, you know, uh, very well, you know, health wise, um, you know, he's definitely going to be, you know, in, in, in that's the prototype defenseman that the NHL wants right now. He's, a, he's he's not a huge guy. He's not a Victor Hedman sized guy. He's fast. Yeah. He can he, he he block shots. You know he takes opportunities. He runs the you know he's good on the PK. All that stuff that you look at a defenseman. He 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 does to such a great ability. And again, like I like you said, and I literally he's a sophomore, he's a second year. I'm excited to see what this kid does. I like that he's UMass product. He's from Massachusetts. Um, you know, and in 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 you know kind of go from there. So, uh, it, it, you know, I'm with you. Hedman's probably going to get it. 
Um, you know, but my, my hope is is that he gets in because he's such he's going to be a great force. And with you, Chuck McAvoy, I would love to know what the, the the vote breakdown is when it gets released, when the rewards get released, to see how many votes McAvoy did get to you know how far he was from being that out of that third spot. So. so- I think Hedman's going to get it, but if I'm going to give it to somebody, I think I would give it to Adam Fox. Um, you know, I definitely would give the MVP to, uh, like, I wouldn't change my, I think it's going to McDavid and I would give it to McDavid because of what he did in the regular season, like how good he was. Um, but Adam Fox is playing on a terrible team. Uh, whose number one draft pick did absolutely jack shit this year. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere did nothing. Uh, he did not, he, like, I don't think he had his first goal for, for like, you know, 20 games into the season, something ridiculous like that. He should have been uh, so much better than he was. But unfortunately, uh, you know, they're in a terrible team. But uh, I think Fox was the best defensive player of all of them that's me so what do we have next so next up is the bill masterston masterton memorial trophy which is awarded to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance sportsmanship and dedication to ice hockey and the nominees are matt dumba from the wild Oscar Lindholm, Lindblom. Lindblom. Sorry, I can't see. There's a glare right there on the computer. Thank you. Uh, Oscar Lindblom of the Flyers and Patrick Marlowe of the Sharks. I'm going to go with Marlowe. Um, you just because, like the Sharks. Well, Marlowe is a guy that is, you know, has been. He's on a team that I like the animal. No, he's been. Uh, he's a guy who is, you know, always been dedicated to you know, his craft and, and playing hockey the right way. So, you know, I think he's he's an excellent player as well. So I would I would say Patrick Marlowe. James? Uh, I'm with you. I think Patrick Marlowe, I mean he's he he is such a well known figure in the league because he's been in the league for forever, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um because he has been. Um, you know, you always, you know, he he's one of those you know it when you hear them, but if you you wouldn't go out of your way, like for me, as a Bruins fan, I would love to get like a McKinnon jersey or like a McDavid jersey, like another player's jersey, because he's a superstar. But Patrick Marleau is like that quiet superstar because he does everything else really good outside the league, and he's a good ambassador for the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I can definitely see that, you know, as well. Also, I don't know any, any about the other two guys, so I talk about the Dumba, guys. I, I like Dumba. Like, he's a guy I would take on the Bruins in a second. Big, powerful. <laughs> they won't. Plus, that name, Dumba. Like, would you like to meet my friend, Matt Dumba? Like, he just, he sounds like a guy that, you know, would just run around wrecking people. And he played really well uh, in the playoffs against uh, Carolina. So... Was it Carolina? Like Carolina? No, because oh, no, he was at West. They played Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, they played Vegas. Ugh. You can't. The playoffs were easy this year, man. Yeah, I don't remember who was what. Uh, Slashes, how about you? No, I agree with the both of you. Uh, Marlowe is one of those really understated, classy players that just 
he he really comes through for his team and when you think of a hockey player like all of the attributes that you think of describe marlo to a t yeah and he's a guy who everybody liked playing with he's a guy who stuck around with his team forever i mean he's been on the sharks forever like you know he's a guy that you know he played with thornton like i believe he was the captain uh yeah, like he, him, Brett Burns, and uh, and um, Pavelski, and uh, who's the other one? Thornton. Like they were mm-hmm. a solid core, and I'm kind of bummed that they never broke through. But yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good call. So next up, we have the Frank J. Selkie Trophy, which is awarded to the league forward who demonstrates the most skill in the defensive component of the game. So most defensive forward. Uh, and the nominees Best are... Best defensive forward. Yes. Most defensive? Most, most defensive forward. You know what? I, I knew what I was Bergie, saying. you should have played a little better. Shut up. I was good. Oh, you're the most defensive forward I've ever seen. <laughs> So the nominees are Mark Stone from the Knights, Alexander Barkov of the Panthers, and Bergeron of the Boston Bruins, who is current. Please go back. There are stats there. Excuse me. Who is currently tied with Bob Gainey for most wins at four. He has a chance to beat the NHL record at five awards this year if he were to win. And most consecutive nominations. He has 10 straight nominations for 10 straight seasons. So I already know who you're going to pick. Like if anyone's ever listened to the show before, uh, you know that, you know, we both think it's going to be Bergeron. Although it may, it may not go to Bergeron. It may go to Mark Stone. It may go, if it doesn't go to Bergeron, I hope it goes to Mark Stone. He has. They both received captaincies this year. Exemplary this year. You know, he's been really fun to watch. And he's one of those players like Bergeron who's so down for his team. And I like that. I like that a lot in a player. Yeah. Uh, James? Uh, I'm with, I'm the opposite. I, I don't think Bergeron's going to get it. Um, I think. You know, I think it is going to be Mark Stone. Um, Bergeron's fantastic, but, you know, it's one of those things where I, the reason, and this is, again, I'm, I'm a Bruins fan, um, but for me, I, I love Bergeron, and he's been he's been for a record 10 straight times. He only won it four times. In the last two or three years, I felt like he's had better stats in the last couple of years and still didn't win it. I think because that, the the window and and we'll talk about this too when we get to the the Bruins and some of the questions is the team is the, the league is going very offensively mm-hmm. and you a lot of the forwards are no longer playing defense as well so you you have Bergeron who is 35 years old and you know and he is an older Bru- uh, Bru- hockey player so that's what they taught that position you know and and I think because he's just he does really good at his job he's one of the top 3 defensive forwards and he's always going to be that way but there are a couple ones where this is a little bit better and i think mark stone right now is the better the better defensive forward in the league i mean i wouldn't be mad at it well i mean you know in defense of of bergeron he's constantly on the special teams you know and they've changed but he's also on the special teams because of his offensive prowess 
and his relation his, his relationship with the other the, the other four people on the on that PK one or the PP one. Right. So but, you know, especially when it comes to the the to the power play, you know, they have usually go with with four offensive four players. Yeah, and four a, forwards and a, and a defenseman. You know, but when you have Bergeron out there, he's such a good swing player where you that's know, how they can get away with it. And, right. and Marchand as well. To be fair, if Marchand wasn't on the same team as Bergeron, Marchand might be getting some of these votes for best defensive forward. Yeah, I, com- I completely yeah. agree. I can recall a couple of saves that they both made defensively this past year where that were just like. Are you what? telling me that Passion Auction would be nominated for this? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not going to say Pasternak should, but you know, Arshand has been a guy who is a two-way forward for years, and, and his his game, his uh, defensive game, has definitely improved over the past couple of years as well. And I think that's part of the reason why he's on. Like those two guys are on the penalty kill because their defensive prowess turns defense into offense so often. I think they're third, second, or third all time as a you know forward. Uh, wing pair in shorthanded goals like and the reason for that is they play such good defense but they're also talented offensive players that they're able to you know give the puck back and forth between the two of them right and they're not just on the power play they're also on the penalty kill as well for that yep. th- that exact well that's reason. what i'm saying that's yeah i was gonna say for, for that exact reason the fact that they can switch back and forth so you know mark stone has been you know great throughout this you know the regular season and into the playoffs we've seen you know we've seen some great moves by him but in defense of you know bergeron's nomination he's you know when it really comes down to it like he's an excellent two-way player and you know being the captain this year uh with his leadership roles changing slightly i don't think they've changed that much you know, I, I think he was, you know, the I, I know that this has nothing to do with the captainship, but the fact that he can, he's he's captain of the team and he can play this defensive offense, I think is just a plus. And that's, you know, one of the things you brought up uh, when we first saw these nominees. Everybody who got nominated, Barkov, Bergeron and Stone, all captains, all centers. And Barkov is a guy who has been brought up in conversation as um, like if the Bruins could get this guy, like he is like, he's the guy that they could turn the team over to, you know, once Bergeron retires in a few years, like this is a guy it's like, okay, we have our, our guy, you know, and the team could really like not miss a beat. So um, let's see. What do we got next? Oh, the Jack Adams Award. Yeah. So the Jack Adams Award is awarded to the coach who contributed most to his team's success. And the nominees are Rod Brindamore from the Hurricanes, Dean Evison of the Wild, and Joel Kenneville of the Panthers. Uh, I think Quinville's going to get it. Quinville. That's how you say yeah, it. Yeah, it's an I, not an E. It's a skin. No, that's how it's spelled. Oh. Uh, yeah, James, I just saw your... Uh your 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 change and that's uh that's not entirely accurate that's that, that's what, Doug, what that's what dougie hamilton, that's what dougie said. hamilton that's said that's not the uh, accurate number um, no it, it it says it right the tampa bay.com confirmed that 
Oh, really? Because I know yeah. that. First of all, what Hamilton said was technically accurate. Between Kucherov, Gilbert Anderson, and a brief stay by scam because the Lightning spent roughly eighteen million higher than the salary cap. Oh, uh, see, I was only counting. Uh, I only counted. Um, it's the Kucherov. next story. We'll talk about it shortly. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. So just quickly, I give it to I give it to Quinville because the Panthers won their division. No, they, no, didn't. they didn't. No, they didn't. But they came- Hurricanes did. The Hurricanes won that division. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I, th- I think pushed, it's going to Brenda Moore. They pushed. Uh, yeah, but the Panthers were not a playoff team last year, and the Panthers played the uh, the Lightning really, really tough. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, I'll give them that. Like, they came in, and they they won a couple of games. I mean, they need goaltending, and they don't have the scoring depth, but they were still – every game was 6-5, 5-4, you know, going into overtime, like – they it was the least defensive you know uh series that we've seen uh although the lightning keep getting involved in those and i think that's going to come back to bite them in the ass because if they end up playing either one of these teams because i think they're going to absolutely just florida was florida florida was a playoff team yeah i know but what i'm saying last year oh last year last year they, they they were remember last year they had the weird playing tournament so technically they oh, were in the playoffs. yeah but I don't count that hey they, hey they they went three and one against the Rangers it was a it was a best of oh yeah how good are the Rangers um uh, the team with it with the number one overall pick um oh sorry no sorry uh they went three and one against the Islanders sorry I oh, okay. that um but I I you know you you have a guy. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. But yeah, I, I think it goes to the Panthers. Um, although, you know, it could end up going to Brindamore. Like, that's a dude, you look at him and it's like, yeah, that dude got his nose broken a million times while he was playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't I, I don't think it's going to be Brindamore. Like I said, he went to the conference finals against the with the Bruins two years ago and was in the playoffs again last year. You know, he's been to the playoffs three straight years. I know they were in the running for the president's trophy. You know, I just, you know, the, 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 the hurricanes have been around. The whalers have been around. I, I I'm with, uh, I'm with Florida. I'm, I'm with Quinville. He's going to get it. Yeah. I think the, the big thing that might, um, that might help Brindamore is the fact that they won that division, not the Panthers, as, as I erroneously said a moment ago. Uh, and, overcame the lightning like they were in third place at, at one point it was like they were behind uh both the panthers and the uh and the lightning and they came back and they won that division you know pretty easily i mean they got wrecked in the playoffs mm-hmm. but again i've been saying this for weeks if you're giving up five six goals a game you know you're not going to go far in the playoffs. Like you might get to where you want to go, depending on who you're playing. You know, maybe you'll get to the conference final or maybe you'll get to the Stanley cup finals, but you're going to run into a good goalie and you're going to be, you're going to be out of luck. Uh, so what else we got in uh Brad Larson has been hired as the new coach of the Columbus blue jackets. He replaces John Tortorella who was told, I don't know if if he decided to leave or he was told he was leaving, but it was announced on May 9th that they have parted ways with their coach. Brad Larson has worked as an assistant under Tortorello for the past seven years. He is an eight-year, or should say eight-season veteran of the NHL, playing with both Colorado and Atlanta. They gave him a three-year contract, so we'll see if he can do anything with that team. 
Yeah, and we'll see what happens because a lot of times, you know, coaching contracts like Toronto gave my, Mike Babcock that huge deal, and now they're paying him to do commentary on, yeah. on uh, NBCSN. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see, you know. Uh, so let's get into Tampa and Dougie Hamilton's comment. <laughs> yeah. Dougie Hamilton of the uh, of the Hurricanes is like, yeah, you know, it's a little disgruntled. Yeah. I mean, he's Patsy, like, Patsy they're not the Hurricanes. They'll never be the Hurricanes to me. I know they're the, the Hartford Whalers. Whalers. Um, but whaling is reprehensible. So unless you're in Japan. Unless you're on the moon. Um, yes. So thank you <laughs> for all my Futurama fans out there. Yeah. So he came out and was like, yeah, you know, it's tough to beat a team that's $18 million over the salary cap. And when you consider I mean, like, that, the, hold on, hold on. Okay, when you consider okay. that the, the NHL salary cap is 80 million, they're like 120% of the salary cap like they went out and they added some big names like david savard who is going to be making a good amount of money and they're like yeah we followed the rules yeah we kept nikita kucherov out the entire year just brought him back for the playoffs so i mean now, and he's been playing really well in the playoffs which led a lot of people and to there's... believe like because i i personally said and i said it on the show I'm like i don't think you know i don't know what they're going to be because I don't know how good Kucherov is going to be when he comes back. He hasn't played in a year, and he comes out and scores two fucking goals on the first game. It's like, all right. Well, I mean, there are clearly rumors not as rusty. that he has been ready to go for a while, yes. but they haven't put him in because of the salary cap. And as we've mentioned in previous episodes, there isn't a salary cap when it comes to playoff hockey. And this was just a, a, a little side tangent. Um, for many, many years, the Jacobs family... Uh, this is why Harry Sinden was the uh, the the general manager of the Boston Bruins for so long, despite never delivering a championship, because you don't have to pay your players for the playoffs. So if you can get a couple of rounds of playoffs, you can get, you know, six, seven playoff games at home. That's all gravy, baby. You don't have to pay anything. And people are just coming in, paying more money for tickets, you know, all the concessions you know, all that, like, and you don't have to pay your players. This is all just money. So, like, they were counting on being just good enough to make the playoffs for many, many years without having to deliver a championship. I mean, eventually they did the right thing and shipped Ray Bork off to Colorado so he could win a ring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, name another sport where you're going to be a GM for 30-ish years with never giving a championship. The only one that I can think of... And we talked about him last week, and I know James has some strong feelings about this gentleman, uh, but he did win one, Daniel Ainge. But, uh, yeah, so what do you guys think about Tampa and what they did? Uh, James, I'll start with you. Um, so according to the NHL, and according to what I read, because I read about this a little bit over the last day or two when I, when I heard the comments, um, that the NHL basically looked into it when he made that account. The you know Tampa Bay gave them whatever documentation they need to satisfy the NHL, and basically says, "Nope, he was injured. Here's his medical records, blah blah blah, all that stuff." So, is it great? Okay, like if this is what they want to do, great, awesome. Tampa Bay, if they want to have back-to-back champions, Tampa Bay, awesome, cool, great. It's a hockey market that sucks. 
like you know if they weren't good or decent th- th- that place wouldn't be full because no one watches hockey in south um just ask the coyotes um <laughs> or the panthers or the thrashers or the stars or the stars at least the stars yeah it was it, it, it well at least stars got to the the finals last year which would still blow, yeah, blow and my missed mind. The playoffs this year yeah um but for me you know what dude you know as bill belichick said the cap can be manipulated in many different ways and if this is great but here's the funny thing is like dude the the bill comes due this off season you gotta get it's still gonna be 80 million that came out it's gonna be like 80.2 million is gonna be the cap and I think you you even confirmed that in the postmortem, and I think that's where I, I learned that from is you, that you said it was going to be the, the Batman already came out and said it's going the cap's going to stay the same, even though they signed two record breaking TV deals, um, you know. So I'm curious. I'll see. I, I you know see how many people they restructure, but I know a con- contracts in the NHL are very very hard to restructure. It's not as easy as like football or baseball. Um, but you know, there's going to be some shedding to do in Tampa and it depends on who's going to go because, uh, Toronto is looking at the same exact thing, you know, or they were, or they did or something like that. And Toronto is going to have to make some tough decisions coming up on their roster, uh, to stand under the cap. So, um, Hey, you know what? Good in Tampa Bay. They found a loophole. They, they exploited it like a true Patriots fan that I am. I'm going to state that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day with that loophole, it's hard. It's a hard cap, baby. They got to go under at the end of the day when it comes back. I mean, you've seen the NFL do this now. Uh, teams are shedding players because the cap got lowered this past year, um, to kind of stay under that cap. So we'll see what happens. So Um, here are their free agents that they have a club option. So, they can just be like, no, we're not bringing you back. And I didn't think this guy was even still playing, but starting off with Marion Gabarik, then David Savard, then Anders Nielsen, Blake Coleman, who will probably come back, Cal Foote, Curtis McElhenney, Boris, uh, Barkley Goodrow, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, <clears throat> Ryan Lowen, Luke Shen, Otto Sampi, Alex Barry Boulay, Cristobal Nieves, Chris Gibson, Brian Lashoff, Andreas Borgman, Ross Colton, Ben Thomas, Luke Wachowski, Gamel Smith, Frederick uh, Clayson, and Sean Day. I know who Gamel Smith is only because of NHL uh, 2020 because he was a center for the Providence Bruins or a winger. He was a forward for the Providence Bruins. Um, so all of those guys... Um, most of them are unrestricted. Uh, Kachuk, Radish, Lowen, Sampi, Barry Boulay, Colton Thomas, and uh, Day are um, uh, restricted free agents, but everybody else is unrestricted. So, I mean, a guy like, you know, and I brought this up in, in my article, David Savard, 4.25 million, Marion Gabrick, 4.875. So there's almost 10 million right there, you know, a little over nine, not quite almost 10, but a little over 9 million that's not coming back. So there's half of their, there's almost Kucherov. Yeah. So, I mean, with all these guys, you know, Nilsson is 2.6, Coleman's 1.8, McElhenney is 1.3. So there's your, there's your like 14 million right there. Mm-hmm. And you still got to trim another 4 million. Like, 
And that's just a cap without drafts, not, re- you know. Yeah. And that's, you know, Coleman and uh, Goodrow are like big parts of their team. Like, so it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, is it kind of shady? Yup. But is it in the well, rules? I mean, well, that's the thing. You know, did Tampa have every right to do what they did? Absolutely. Does Dougie Hamilton have every right to complain about it? Absolutely. You know, like it, it is what it is. And I, you know, it, 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 it sucks for the teams who have to play against a team that is stacked like that. Your team could have done it too. Mm. Technically, yes, but like this is kind of like a perfect storm of things happening. It's like, all right, we're coming off a championship. Our best player is injured and everyone expects him to be out for a full year, but he's coming back sooner than we thought and he's better, but we're going to keep him off to the side. And while we're waiting, we're gearing up for a playoff run. So we have a a Vezina uh, nominated goalie. We have a guy who won the Vezina, you know, the same guy who won the Vezina two years ago. We have a strong defense. We have the, one of the best defensemen. We have the you know reigning MVP. Like let's let's get as much as we can at the trade deadline. Screw what happens at the uh, you know at the end of the year. We'll bring our guys back, put the best team out on the ice, and just absolutely dominate. And that's pretty much what happened. Like you just had to have all those things fall into place first for that to. Uh, I mean, and I think they traded away some of their draft picks this year, which kind of helped them because that way they don't have a first round pick to try and sign to a contract. Mm -hmm. So that'll save them some money. So like, you know, they're mortgaging their future a little bit to win now. But I think as long as you have, you know, Hedman and Point and and, uh, uh, Stamkos and those guys, you're going to be okay. I think you're going to be okay. But uh Oh, and uh, Vasilevsky, sorry. So uh, what, what's what's next? Vegas won game six after... Wait, what? Vegas wins in game six after a... Route in game route one. in game one. Remember, they gave... They gave uh, what, what word is that? Route. They got routed. You've never heard that route, in sports? No. James, back me up. Yeah, because technically you could say the same thing about the Islanders and Bruins this series. No, no, I'm saying like a, a route. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's when it was. It just they got blown. They got the doors blown off. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a legitimate word that gets used all the time. You get routed. They lost in a route. You've never heard that? No, old man. Wow, James, you've heard that, right? Oh, yeah. Like your age. So, wait, James, how old are you? Thirty-five. Yeah. So James is your age, and he's heard it. I can't believe you never heard that. So, they decided. Vegas decided after that really like brutal series against uh, the wild that they were going to rest Mark Andre Fleury and like, we'll start Robin Leonard game one. Like those guys are great together. Like they're, they won the William Jennings trophy. Like, you know, they're going to be awesome. And he gave up seven fucking goals. They got routed. They got curse slammed. What word would you have used? blown out yeah i mean i just like 
I like route. <laughs> Go ahead. So Mark Andre Fleury has moved into fourth place in all-time Stanley Cup playoff wins for goaltenders with 89 games. He is currently two games behind Grant Fuhr, 24 games behind Martin Brodeur, and 62 games behind Patrick Roy. Wow. So Patrick Wah. 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 He's French. Are you going to correct me all well, episode? Patrick Wah is the guy who... He was with Montreal forever, and he was and he won a bunch of Vezinas, and then he's a little bit before your time. He was the guy who was the goalie for uh, Colorado when they got Bork, and they were feuding with uh, Detroit all those years. I thought, yeah, were- he's he he he's like the best playoff goalie ever. Yeah, like that dude was. Yeah, because he gave up like eight or nine goals in a game against Montreal, uh, game for Montreal. And he like, this is back when stadiums were designed a little bit differently. And he screamed at the uh, at the owner of the Canadians and said, I will never play another game for you. Trade me. And so they did. And he went on to win a couple of uh, cups with uh, with uh, Colorado. I think he won like four total Stanley Cups. Like they were in the playoffs every year because he was so good. Like you think Carey Price is good now? Like Carey Price wishes he could be Patrick Waugh. And we call that a segue. Yes. Next is. Montreal wins their seventh in a row to advance to play the Golden Knights for a shot at the cup finals. Carey Price currently has a 0.935 save percentage and returned home the other day to a broom attached to a hockey stick on his front porch. Which I thought was awesome. Like somebody left a broom with a uh, attached to a hockey stick on his porch. Like that's the best. So that brings us to our predictions. We got the Knights and Canadians versus, I mean, uh, and the Islanders and Tampa Bay. So Knights and Canadians start Monday at nine and Islanders Tampa tomorrow at three, Sunday at three. That's weird. And you it to it's NBC. It. It's the, it's an, it's the national NBC game. I know, but you would expect it to be like in a primetime game, unless they don't want to compete against basketball. Like that's the only other thing I can think of. Yeah, who knows? I mean, Probably. like if you go to ESPN, like you'll have like 27 different stories. Like, you know, you have like these these great games that are going on in hockey and like ESPN's like, oh, did you know LeBron wants to change his number now? It's like they're not even in the playoffs. Who cares? Like, well, who give cares? it g- g- give it till next season, because they as they are posting the as they're, they're broadcasting games, they're bringing back NHL tonight. So or whatever the NHL show was. So. Well, that's good. So, James, your uh, your predictions. Um, well, for me, I always said the semifinals were always going to be the most interesting part of these playoffs because this is the first time these players have played outside their divisions mm-hmm. all season. You 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 have no tape how you stack up against Tampa Bay. You have no tape how you stack up against these teams, and I always thought that was going to be the most interesting part of this. Um, for me, the Canadians are coming off red hot they are smoking right now um my concern is 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 the the knights are playing equally as hot to a point i mean they they're not seven in a row but 
how long can Montreal keep this up? For Montreal, I think the best thing for them is they need to lose. They need to split in Vegas. At the end of the day, that's what they need. They need to split in Vegas. If they can do that and come back to Montreal 1-1, this, this series is going at least, you know, is definitely going at least six, possibly seven games because with Fury and Price playing as well, Price they're playing as well as they're good, the young Canadians playing out of their mind, Tyler Trifoli, you know, leading, you know, be, being a force on that team as well, they can definitely stand up and take a punch in the mouth from the Knights. And I think the Knights are gonna gonna give them all they can handle. And if Price keeps playing on his head, whew, that's gonna be an awesome series. Um, I have the Knights winning it. I, I've had the Knights go to the playoffs. That they've been my pick for a while now. Um, in my heart of hearts, I really wanted the Canadians Bruins finals cup because I think that would have been fantastic. Uh, and it hurts a little bit that they're still playing and the Bruins aren't, but I will, uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying some good playoff hockey at the end of the day. Flashes. What do you think about that series? So regarding the Knights and Montreal, I think that that series is going to go seven games. Hmm. You know, I think that the Canadians, they cannot keep up at the pace that they've been. They're not that good, but Carey Price is, and he's been having a fantastic playoff season. You know, uh, it's just, it, it's really interesting to watch. However, on the opposite end of the ice, you have Marc-Andre Fleury, who's also been standing on his fucking head. So I think it's going to come down to who's the better goalie. And I think, no, I don't even think it's going to be who's the better goalie. I think it's going to be who gets who gets that lucky bounce like who get like because if it if it was just that like uh, it's hard to choose who who wins that because price has been out of his mind but flurry's having his best season of his life i think he's gonna get the vesna i do too he's never been nominated for it and this is the first time he ever has at age 36 after winning three stanley cups and going to a couple of more he finally gets nominated uh for a vesna trophy um the Knights have struggled against good goaltending. Like they've had a tough time. Um, you know, they and they've been facing some good goalies. Like last round, Philip. But I mean, Grubauer, here's the thing the Canadians offense isn't that great either. Right, but neither oh, has, but that's what I'm saying. Like it's gonna come down to who's the better goalie. You can't win playoff games zero to zero. No, but at the same time, Vegas is uh like I said, Vegas has has struggled like, but they've also been played like they played Cam Talbot, who was amazing in the first round, uh, but they were able to beat him. They, uh, they just beat Philip Grubauer, who was, uh, who's nominated for a Vasna. I just, you know, I agree with you as far as, you know, the offense, like I don't think Montreal's offense can match Vegas's and, you know, I think it's going to come down to like both price and, and Flurry are going to play out of their minds, but somebody's going to get a lucky bounce or a lucky shot that is just like, man, there's no way that he should have got that. And I, I wouldn't put it past Montreal to get like some sort of cheap, cheap goalie interference call that doesn't get uh, that doesn't get called, and you know, score that way. So even though you know uh, Flurry outplays them, you know they they use their typical Montreal weaselness to to win a game but i think i think vegas is going to end up taking it i don't think that carrie price can do everything on his own 
you know, and I think that the uh, the defense of uh, of the uh, Golden Knights is just so much better than anything Montreal seen. I've been saying that about that uh, North Division. They don't have a top ten defenseman in that North Division, and you're going to be coming up against a team that has Alex Petrangelo, who is coming off a Cup win just two years ago. Well, you also got to think too that Vegas team is still pretty much connected to when they went to the finals against Washington a couple of years ago when they when they had their inaugural mm-hmm. season, and I think the veteran, you know, you, you know, seven, I, you know, I'm hoping seven. I think we're all saying it's hoping seven, but I think at w- at one point or another that veteran leadership, that veteran locker room is going to be able to like focus the team better than the, how young the Canadians are. They don't have a very other than Carey Price. It feels like. They're, you know, they have, you know, they have um, Shane Weber, who's, you know, their 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 defense, their veteran defenseman. But who who do you have there to look at those guys if they lose one or two games to be like, guys, get your head out of your ass, like let's keep playing, like that's where that veteran leadership. I with real playoff. Uh, but no, but 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 that's what I'm saying because they're they, they've been riding so hot, you know, they won seven in a row. They're, you know, they're cruising. Price has been playing in his head. When you get into a longer series, the, a lot of times those veterans will, ste- you know, step up to the plate and, and carry the team if needed, or at least right the ship if it's kind of going sideways. Um, I mean, I, I, the only reason I can't say that Montreal didn't really do that in the first round is because it's Toronto and Toronto sucks. Mm-hmm. They choke in the first round every year. Um, that's why I always put the post up happy leap lease elimination day because it's, it's a national national yearly holiday. Yeah. Um, it's like Easter it just changes, you know, changes days every year. Um, but you know, and, and, and that's why I give it to Vegas at the end of the day is I think that veterans leadership, uh, is just going to overpower them and just be like, guys, like they, they, they can calm the nerves, especially to a point where again, in, in, in the Canadian narrative too, which we might hear a little bit more of is this is the, this is like the first Canadian team to be in a finals or a, a, a semifinals. A checklist would be a conference finals in a very long time. Yeah. Like this is the farthest Canadian team's ever gotten. And like, you don't think that that, that could easily leak in through news articles and stuff like that. Or if it's a two, two series, it's a lot of pressure to be like, this could be the first Canadian team in the playoffs or in the Stanley Cup finals in a very long time. You know, we'll see. We'll see how they did this. Young- Since Vancouver. I think. Let me, uh, let me take a quick. A I'm quick- doing it right now. Just keep going. Yeah, no, 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 no. no but yeah, it's. No. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was Vancouver in 11. Yep. So there's a lot of pressure on Montreal and those young guys, but you know, they do have, like you said, they have a couple of veterans, you know, in Shea Weber and you know, who was, who they got in a straight up trade for PK Subban, who I thought was going to be their future. Um, They went with a more defensive defenseman over an offensive defenseman. Um, I remember everybody who made that trade was like, they're out of their mind for doing that trade. And it looks like it's paid off to a point. Yeah. I mean, he Subban's not even with, Nashville anymore so I know I think it's going to be a good series but I think I think Vegas takes it because of who they have on their team and you know just they have the experience of being there so Islanders Tampa and I think we all feel the same way about this one um, I personally say that Tampa wins uh, in five 
mainly because uh, the thing that Tampa can do that the Bruins were unable to do to uh, to the Islanders. Stop and puck. Well, you notice that the biggest issue they had was size. And as soon as uh, Carlo went out, Barzell stepped up and was able to do whatever he wanted. Folks don't realize how big Carlo is. Dude's 6'5". They don't have anybody like that's that big on their blue line anymore. Like Kevin Miller's six feet. Charlie Coyle's like six feet. Like everybody's, you know, you know, a little bit bigger than Tory Krug, but you know, nobody's huge. They don't have a big, strong defenseman and the lightning are loaded with them led by Victor Hedman. Like they have the, the guys so they can do to Tampa. I mean, to uh, New York, what New York did to Boston, you know, take out their their top skill players. Like, are you going to rely on that fourth line of Sezekis, Martin, and Clutterbuck to be your offense? Like, you know, I know they keep calling them the identity line, and where the hell did that shit come from? But, it's a power move, Patrick. It's a power move. Here it comes. Every time somebody goes to shoot. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, the size and like the offensive skill, like you can't, nobody can match Tampa's offensive skill. Like they might not have the same scoring depth that, you know, other teams have, but that top line is so good. Like they're so good. And I I can't see the only thing uh, that I have that I can say is that whoever wins this series loses to whoever comes out of the uh, Knights in Montreal. Because like I said, you know, even though Vasilevsky is a guy who's won, you know, he's coming off winning last year and he's nominated for a Vezina this year. He's had way too many times that he's given up uh, too many goals in the, in this, in this playoffs. Um, How many times has he given up four or five goals I, I don't even know what his. I'm trying to look up his stats while I, while I uh, kind of ramble a little bit. But uh, uh, slashes, what do you think about this series? I think it's going seven games. Okay. I think it's going to t- for the same reason why I think the Knights in Montreal is going to go seven games. These two teams have not played each other this season. It's going to take a couple of games for each other to figure each other out. I mean, that's a valid point. You know, so I, th- I think both series, we're going to see seven games. I think that Tampa is going to prevail. But, you know, Rolamov's been playing amazingly. And we saw that in the Bruins series. You know, some of those games should have been like eight to two, you know, because the Bruins offense kept shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And you look at, you know, the the, the like shots, shots game, on yeah. goal, you know, uh, compared to actual, you know, the, the actual amount of goals that occurred in that game and the disparity between the two is, is astounding. You know, he was, he was great. And then you have Vasilevsky on the opposite side of the ice, who's also been standing on his head and playing really, really well, you know? So it it all depends on what the offense in between those two goal goalies decides to do. Yeah. Vasilevsky looking at his last five games, um, and here's the thing: Tampa's not perfect either. So I and, and and the Islanders have just been pests this year. You know, anyone who has played them have have you know uh, 
describe them the same way as pests. They've just been very just just pest like, you know, so I, I think that they're going to try to get under Tampa's skin and they might achieve that, you know, for a game or two, which is why I think it's going to go seven games. So in the last five games for Vasilevsky, he gave up uh, one goal, one goal, three, four and zero. And that's against uh, Carolina, but against against the Panthers, he was giving up tons of goals every game. Um, so that's kind of like kind of a tale of two series. Like he was much better against Carolina than he was against Tampa, uh, Florida. But that Florida series was everybody was hitting everybody, and emotions were riding high, and there was a scrum pretty much, you know, every single uh, whistle. Uh, at least for the first couple of games, till that started to calm down. But I don't know. Uh, James, what do you think? It's seven game slip of coin. Um, realistically, you know, I know that's, that's a, that's a fence answer, but you know, it's the same thing. You know, Ash said it's, it's, they haven't played each other. The last time they played each other was when they went to six games last year in the fine, in the, in, in the Eastern conference finals in the bubble. And another, in, in the only reason I say seven two, Nassau Coliseum. Mm. that place that they're playing there. And this is the last, again, you keep saying the one more game that place, the last two games, the Bruins played in that place. I have never heard a building that loud on television. That's a valid point. It's it's, if you look at it, even though Tampa has the home ice advantage, they're going to make themselves heard in Nassau. And again, I don't think Tampa has been in a building that hostile all year and even like i said and i even felt to point even in uh game uh four of the bruin series that when that place got rocking and you know they started making that you know that comeback you saw the bruins choking down those sticks making bad decisions and it, it the crowd will ride you for that yep. and i think that's going to be a huge advantage for the islanders they 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 also have they've also hit they have more hits than any other team in the playoffs. They're going to, you know, and it's but that's a Barry Trotz team. They they they're going to throw themselves and even when they've lost focus, you see Trotz pull them aside and slap them around, basically being like, "Get your head out of your ass," and then they've tightened right back up. And you saw that against the Bruins game where they came back from don't five four and almost coming back and tied it. How how fast? Did they call that timeout? And then all of a sudden, the Bruins going to get the puck into their end. Mm-hmm. Like when they had to tighten it down, they tightened it down. Um, and you know, they they they'll stuff that first line is fantastic in Tampa. But like I said, when 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 they have the last change in in on Long Island, they're they're going to put their best defensive pair out there, or even their second, yeah, or they're going to put their second best defensive pair and put the best on the second line. Like Trance is a very good scheme. That's why I say it's seven games. I would not be surprised if the Islanders won this series. These two are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference right now, and they deserve to be in the finals again. I, you know, and you know, we'll get into the I know the next segment is about the Bruins, and we can get into that, you know, shortly. But mm-hmm. you know, it's the reason why these two teams were in the finals last year, and I'm not surprised they're meeting in the semifinals this year. It's still the Eastern Conference finals in my mind, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a really like it's I think, be a violent series. Yeah, Vi- like violent series. Hitting a lot of a lot of uh, 
you know, after the whistle activity. Um, but I'm telling right. you, if Tampa Bay goes down one nothing, like I said, the best thing for the Islanders, and I said about Montreal, they need to come out of Tampa Bay one one. Mm-hmm. If they're if, if the series is tied going back to Mont back to Long Island, even though we're down o two when the Pittsburgh, if they go back one one, it's a it's a it's a whole new ball game. Oh yeah, anytime you can you know be tied if you can get a game you know and take home field or home ice or home court advantage away um you know it's huge but yeah but 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 i think out of all the teams left i think vegas would i've never thought i would say this vegas in islanders have the best home ice right now i mean it also wouldn't suck to see barry trotz face the uh, golden knights again in the finals yeah that'd be really good So, uh, slashes. Fuck the Islanders. Yes. What's brewing? Not a whole, f- a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. I'm so devastated and and just disgruntled and just d- d- depressed. And you know, I was really rooting for this team hardcore. You know, from. I mean, obviously all the time, but, you know, I was really, really, really rooting for, and I was even rooting for Tuca when Tuca started to slip up. I had his back and then poor decision-making happened and we lost. And just as a side note, I hate feeling like I want my team to win more than my team wants to win. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it shouldn't be that way. So obviously the Bruins succumbed to injuries and lack of defense, you know, because that's where the, the plethora of their injuries were. That's where the most of their injuries were. It's all, you know, it, it took out what five defensemen. I mean, some of the guys didn't even play like John Moore. Like where was he all season? He got hurt, you know, and some of these guys um, probably should be ready. A guy like Tenorti who, you know, Tenorti, he played well. Uh, he's only been in the system for a few years. Vakaninen, you know, again, this goes back to the, the um, and this is what they brought up on the, uh, the sports hub the other day, the 2015 draft, where there were um, a lot of really good players that were taken after um, the Bruins picked their, they took at 13, 14, and 15, they took, uh, took yeah, they took Zaboral, DeBrusque and Seneshin. The very next pick was Matthew Barzal. Uh, they also could have had Thomas Shabbat, uh, Anthony Beauvillier, um, Sebastian Ajo. Um, they did take Brandon Carlo in the second round. Uh, but any one of those guys, Sprung, who is another guy that's been, you know, torturing them they took lows on that year as well um but it's like how uh how frustrating is it knowing that the guy that you passed on three consecutive draft picks came back and bit you in the ass and i do feel bad for uh, brandon carlo because this is a guy who I could see him retiring at age 25. Uh, well, I mean, if he doesn't recover from this injury, he's going to have to. That that second hit 
the one against the Islanders was worse to me than the one that Tom Wilson put on him. Now, I think Tom Wilson's hit is the one that ultimately has put him in this position, but watching him attempt to stand up and how wobbly and just, it reminded me of what John Tavares looked like after that hit in uh, Montreal. Like he looked, he was like, he was made of rubber. Like he had no bones trying to stand up. And this is a guy that, you know, the Bruins allowed uh, Chara to, to leave. You know, they got rid of Tory Krug, which, you know, it's a, that's a 50-50 thing. I'm kind of glad because they need bigger defense, and it's been proven over the past, you know, how many years they need bigger defensemen. Because when were they the best? When they had Chara and Seidenberg, who were both – even Ference was a big dude. Boychuk, not so much. Um, but big, strong defensemen, Adam McQuaid, six, four, you know, guys like that, you know, they need to get back to those types of defensemen who are big and can move the puck. Um, it's frustrating that, you know, they had so many injuries, like you're saying, I think Carlo might've been the biggest one. I also put a lot of stock into the fact that no penalty was called when Charlie Coyle got fucking wrecked. Uh, and had to leave the game for six minutes. Like that was, uh, that was yeah, pretty bad. This, this series was, um, it was interesting and it was really difficult to watch at times, not only because of the injury, but because of the lack of calls. Now I'm all for refs, especially in the playoffs to just letting the players play. I'm also for, you know, I mean, I'm not for refs, but I understand when the refs decide that they're going to call every single infraction. But you need to decide what you're going to do, and you need to do it equally for both teams. It yeah, was very one-sided. And, and it's not, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm a, I'm a Bruins fan, but like, you know, I mean, obviously I'm complaining about it because I'm a Bruins fan and, you know, ultimately it, it cost my team a chance at the cup or was one of the factors that cost my team a chance at the cup. But I, it, it makes for hockey. That's not really that enjoyable to watch. It is infuriating. And it's mm -hmm. not fair, especially when both sides of the ice, you know, both teams are making the same infractions or similar infractions, but yet only one team is being called for it. Yeah, like that to me is is the worst. And, you know, we had somebody in, in the group say, oh, the refs don't care who wins. They're just going to call it the way they call it. It's like, no, the referees absolutely care who wins. Um, and, you know, when your sport when your league decides we're switching up we're completely switching up the officiating crew after both sides are complaining and for Barry Trotz like you know this is something that goes decades back you know this has been happening forever for Barry Trotz to come out and criticize Patrice Bar Patrice Bergeron of all players of trying to get a competitive advantage get the fuck out of here with that bullshit and then Every single time, both Bergeron and Krejci were thrown out of almost every face-off that following game. Like, almost, like, instantly. So now you're losing face-offs because you have Craig Smith and Brad Marchand taking face-offs. Neither one of them is, you know, a center. Neither one of them is a guy who is, you know, particularly good at face-offs. Krejci is average. 
Bergeron is one of the best face-off men in the game. So to all, all of a sudden get that advantage, in addition to getting the advantage of all the penalty calls. I believe it's 56%. Uh, I don't I don't have the numbers. might even be closer to 60. But yeah, I think it's at least I think he wins at least 56 percent of his playoff of his um, face off face off. Yeah, he definitely wins a lot more than he loses. Like, you know, it's it's notable if he doesn't have a good day at the face off dot and like the announcers will say something. And that was the case in game Oh, God, and, and that's another six. thing, too. These announcers were so far up New York's ass. It was just ridiculous. Like, it hurt my ears to listen to these these announcers yeah. just Anytime suck something off the happened, Islanders every fucking it, game. It wasn't because the Bruins were good. It's because the Islanders made a mistake. You know, the Bruins didn't have skill. Although I will say um, uh, Pierre was a little better. Um, than they had in the past. Although I don't know who that other guy was that they had that they were like, man, we don't have anybody who sounds like a 1942 uh, newsreel uh, narrator now that Doc Emmerich retired. We need to find someone who sounds like that. And then they did, which is like, oh my God, I hate you so much. Um, James, your thoughts. So for me, I have a I have an awesome... I'm in the New York market. Mm -hmm. I don't get Bruins games every day. I have to watch them when they're when they play a New York team. So I get the New York announcers. I have the only time I got Jack and Brick was when they were on ESPN Plus and they played a home game because the ESPN Plus team played the home broadcast. For me, I don't give a crap about the Bruins. I don't give a crap about the announcers. I mean, I don't. If I'd rather listen to I'd rather listen to play by play on the radio. And I've always been like that, even with football and baseball. Um, for, for me, it irritants. It, it doesn't, but it gets to say, but like I understand that. But at the same time, like it's more background. I I, I was more mad that every single time we, someone made a move for the the goal, it was a power move. Never heard of that ever in hockey until this year. Um, and I kept te texting that back to my dad um, during every time they said it, which he kind of got a laugh out of it. Um, Oh, and like I said, the guy, every time somebody would go over it, here it comes. Yep. Like, oh, so, uh, you know, about the penalties and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, some, some calls should have been made. Some calls weren't made. Both sides of the ice, they had the same thing. Some Islanders calls weren't called. They should have been vice versa. But also you got to look at too is the Bruins were the most penalized team in the regular season this year. Fact. Mm -hmm. The Islanders were the least penalized team in the, in the league this year. Fact. And you also got to put forward to yourself that again, refs, you, like you said, people should call them down the line. They don't. When you are the most penalized, penalized team in the league, you are going to get, you, you, you lose the benefit of the doubt on some of those calls. And I understand it's the playoffs and I'm with you, Ash, that it should, they should be swallowing their whistles and let the boys play. And I get that. But the Bruins did themselves no favors this year by being a very undisciplined team. How many times did they get too many men on the ice this both series? Hmm. It felt like every other game there was too many men on the ice call. And you can say they should, you know, you should have had the main advantage. Great. But a true hockey team that can win in win in the playoffs doesn't rely on the power play. Because no. you learn that. In 2019, 
they were a terrible five on five team and they got to the finals because at the, the seas par, par, parted perfectly for them to get to the cups that the cup that year. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, with that, you know, when you had the, you can't go three for three and you can't, you can't go Owen three and a penalty kill. You can't let the other team go three and three and a penalty and expect to win a game. Like it, it doesn't happen. You almost came back to win it. That's great. But when your penalty kill just doesn't do anything, it, it, it doesn't make, give you help in that way. Right. So for, for five goals a game. Exactly. So for me, and like I said, you know, I, I broke down the, the, the statistically for both the, the, the poll, the total playoffs and especially the Islanders hearings and the one glaring thing I see on these two numbers is the main issue that's been plaguing the Bruins since 2013. What do you think it is? Uh, five on five scoring. Secondary be- scoring. When it's not the perfection line, here you Wait, go. The first line who calls it that. Okay, you ready? I got I got the numbers for you. So mm-hmm. in the total playoffs, the Bruins scored thirty three goals. Fifty seven percent of those goals were from the first line or the first penalty power play unit, which legitimately is the first line plus Krejci. Yeah. In the Islanders series, there were seventeen goals scored. The, that top line in the power play unit sc- accounted for 64% of the goals. Also, they, they, they also had 48% of the points and at a hundred percent of the power play goals was that unit. You will not win anything when you're relying on three people. If you look at it too, and even it gets even better. Ready? The third line had a negative a negative 11 in points for the series. The third line. Your fourth line was negative five. In the Islander series, your fourth line was negative 12. Ugh. And the third line was negative 13. And your second line, who you beefed up with Craig Smith and Taylor Hall, was negative six. I am sorry. And the only two players that had a positive rating in that series was Pasta and Carlo. And it was plus two. And Pasta had five goals. You were never winning that series with stats like that. Your secondary no, scoring, scoring, breakdown. you know, you were, you barely got by because Washington lost their mind after game three and never recovered. And I literally thought after the way the Bruins won in game three on that March on sniper, oh, the dialers are never, they came and punched you in the mouth and you never got back off the mat. And, and, and it's numbers like these. And I was so pumped when you were like, I was like, I got to talk about this. Yeah, the defense sucked. I get it. The only two defensive people with a positive for the entire playoff was McAvoy and Riley. The only two defensive people, defense players. That's it. That's it. Sorry. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, Grizzlick and Lozon just kept giving the ball, uh, the ball, the puck away. Uh, Tenorti had that one awful, awful play where he uh, snapped his stick and just kind of stood there like, oh. and like, so. I will the play was going the other way. I, I I'm going to fall back. If you want me to break down the three, three reasons why they lost to Islander series. Number one was defense. Mm-hmm. Number two was secondary scoring. And number three was Tuca. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you had a torn labrum that goes all the way back to the bubble. Why were you playing this season? Well, I look at it as he played really well, uh, 
for a lot of the playoffs. Where he started faltering was game five of um Actually, I think it was game. I think it was game four. He started seeing him. He was getting small on the goal. He was not moving side to side as well. Uh, but he was finally. They took him out in game five and put Swayman in. And yes, Swayman gave up a goal in the first three shots that he had. But you know, no, it was the it was the first shot. Was it the first? I thought he made. I thought he made a save. It was one. It was the first shot of him. It was. The, it was like within the minute or two of the third period. Because I know that he, uh, you know, he, you don't expect to come off the bench in the third period and be like completely game ready. It's like you didn't go through all your reps. It's like, all right, you're uh, you're in, kid. <clears throat> and given how Cassidy is like, no, it's Tuka's net. Tuka says he's good. Tuka's going to play. Yeah, Glenn, that's we were watching the game. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of other people who got this exact same impression. It's like he can't move. He's so I told you that. I messaged you like he's he's having trouble moving side to side. Like look at him like he got down and made a save and then like labored to get back up again. I'm like this is not a guy who should be playing right now. Like he is hurt. Like why is he still playing? They give up goal after goal after goal and they still wouldn't take him out. Like he had, gives up the fourth goal and he's still in there. He comes out for the third period. It's like to me it was the ultimate sign of disrespect from Cassidy and Tuka Rask to the rest of the team. It's like, yep, he's terrible, uh, but we're going to keep him out there because it's Tuka. And it's like, why? Well, he makes $7 million a year. So what? Do you want to put your team in a position to win? Do you want to put the best available player out there? And yes, Tuka is a better goalie than Jeremy Swayman. Tuka has far more experience obviously but what we have seen from Tuca is he shrinks in the biggest moments or he just abandons you or he just you know he he doesn't i don't want to say he doesn't care but his mindset is if he's coming off you know, uh, uh, three shutouts in a row or he's coming off a game, you know, two game series where he gave up 15 goals. He is going to come approach the next game the exact same way of either one of those uh, circumstances. So in a way, like he's got a great mindset, but at the same time, he's not clutch. He doesn't come through when it matters most. And like I said in my article, this started in 2010. This isn't a new thing. In 2010, you know, they had that uh, that really good run. They had won the President's Trophy, and they are on their way to they, – they, uh, they're on their way through the playoffs. They have a 3 nothing lead on Philadelphia, and Philadelphia comes back to force a Game 7. Bruins go up 3 nothing in that game, and Tuca gives up four goals. And this, you know, you can't really blame the defense in that series because that's when they had, you know – essentially the same defensive core that won the ring the next year. The only difference was Thomas was way better. In 2013, they lost in six games to Chicago. And then Tuca got a huge. Who was, who, who was a bigger, who was the better team that year? I'm sorry. Chicago was the better team. Oh no. And that's fine, but that's not, that's not the point. 
<laughs> uh, they go to the play, and that's when Tuca signed his huge deal that following year. He won the Vezina in 2014, 2015. And then, the, uh, no, 20, 2013, 2014, he won the Vezina. The next two years, 14, 15, and 15, 16, they missed the playoffs. With a, they've been running the same team back for the past. No, I thought 14, 15, they had a Ginla uh, and they went, they lost to seven to Montreal. Uh, that was uh, when they came back. I, I, I have it in my, uh, hold on, let me, I have it up in my. Uh, no, don't worry. Just keep, just keep going. I, I like. He brought them to the cup finals, 2013, 2014. Uh, the first year of that co- that contract was one in which he won the Vesna, and the Bruins were a powerhouse, winning the President's Trophy. And that's when they lost to uh, Montreal in seven, the year he won the Vesna, and they won the President. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the year after they lost to Chicago. And then the next two years they missed the playoffs. Yep, which was it's like all right, so we're paying you. Seven million dollars a year, and we twice we didn't make the playoffs, and once we got beaten in the first round by our hated arch rivals. Why, why are you, you know, what do we? But Tuca will have these stretches of games, and all of a sudden people will be like, Yeah, see, that's why you're paying Tuca the big money. It's like, Yeah, that's great. He wins a few games in the regular season, he looks good in the regular season, but then comes back, and when you need him the most, he's not available either mentally or physically. Like last year, when the Bruins were uh, a spectacular team, they were so good last year. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I know I played a few games, but you know what, guys? I'm going back to Finland. Why? I don't know. Like he never gave an ex- a reason. But like you said, James, you know, the day after or two days later, he's like, oh, yeah, I can't play. Oh, I got to leave. He's all playing golf. So it's like what was the big emergency that you had to leave for that was more important than you playing hockey for the team that pays you $7 million a year to play hockey that you're like, no, I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to go pay to play golf. Sorry. I can't be there for you guys. I'm going to go play golf. Uh, Slashes. I know you have some strong feelings on uh, Mr. Tuka Rask as well. You know, and it, it makes me really sad because I've been a Tuga supporter uh, for a really long time. And the past couple of, of seasons, the past couple of playoff seasons, he has been a letdown. And in hindsight, thinking upon things, thinking upon his career, you know, with the Bruins, regular season playoffs, he fails to perform when he needs to. He fails to show up for his team when they need him the most. And that is infuriating. Mm-hmm. You know, um, your goalie is is literally the backbone of your team. You know, it's if you don't have a good sport. goalie, you're not going to go far. You know, and yes, a lot of pressure is put on the goalies. And, you know, I, I think that they they deserve all of the accolades that they they receive because it's such a you know it's such a demanding role for them to play you know they're in net the entire game they don't get to come off the ice except for in between periods or if you're losing 
Right. Or, or if you're losing, you know, um, if you get pulled or if you, you don't come you know. off the ice because you're doing well. Right. Right. But what I'm saying is, you know, they're they're on the ice more than any of their their teammates, you know, so they're going to get criticized more because they're out there. They get all More. the praise and all the criticism. Exactly. You know, when, when the team plays well, they're like, oh, hey, Tuka had a great game. You know, when the team doesn't perform well, it's like, what the fuck, Tuka? What did you do? Where were you? You shouldn't have let that soft one in. You know, and, and some of it has to do with the, the the defense or the lack of defense sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. especially that we saw in this, this Islander series. But focusing solely on Tuka, like when his game is on, when he's in the zone, when he's playing like Tuka Rask, he's phenomenal. But we haven't seen that from Tuka in a long time. And if he's injured, if he's been playing with an injury all season, if he's been injured since last season at some point, then why are you here? Why didn't you go and have surgery last, you know, after after last season? The torn labrum in you your know? hip when you're a goalie and you have to be squatting and doing the Right, splits. like that that is that is debilitating. You know, if you're in pain, if you need surgery, have that surgery. Is was it because he felt that he needed to prove himself because this was a contract year for him? Yeah, that's what I was thinking because he did that when he won the Vezina. you know, did he did he hope that he could just play through it and prove himself and gain another contract? Because you know he's on record saying that he only he still wants to play and he only wants to play for the Bruins. Yeah, he or wants he'll go to, to Finland. He wants to be a mentor. And and I read an article where he said, you know, ah, uh, he wants to be a mentor for these young goaltenders coming up in the Bruins system. Yeah, and and I. <sighs> Where was that guy in the playoffs? Where was, Where was that Where guy was this, this past season? Where was it? Because, you know, we struggled to make it to the playoffs. We struggled to get a one through four seeding. And he missed a lot of time with an injury. And Swayman played so well. Right. We got rid of Halak and Swayman's been in. You know, and, and he played really well. So, I mean, I have I have so many questions and, you know, concerns regarding this, especially those last two games with the Islanders. Why was Tuca even in net that final game? Yep. Why did he start? I put that on. Well, Tuca said he was ready. Well, coach, you know what you're supposed to do? Coach your team. You're supposed to make decisions for your team. If you could clearly see that he wasn't ready, he didn't practice in morning. You know, he didn't skate in morning skate he beforehand. Didn't practice the day he before. didn't practice the day before because you're trying to rest him up. He's not okay. Oh. And why? No did- one skated the day before the game. Cassidy even said that was only taxi squad players. And he was actually in, he was in, he was at, he was at the facility getting treatment with the trainer the day before. And he was working with the goalie coach. Exactly. So again, I, I, and I'm in the minority on this with, with Cassidy. I am not going, I will question that decision every day. I'm a Bruins fan. Because what what could have been, but at the end of the day, Tuca was not the number one reason why you lost that game, that series. He and I and I, it's number number three in my list. 
and, that's and Tuga and Tuga does have a history of crapping his pants, no pun intended, when the when when the when the game is on the line. But you know when when I heard Ash going off about he didn't buy practice, well nobody practiced. Like you know, and if and, and if you're been the goalie and you've you've been there and you and, and you've won big games for the Bruins in your history and especially under Cassidy, you're gonna sit there and, and I'll go to Game Six of the Finals two years ago where mm-hmm. you went into St. Louis down three games to two with the cup in the building and literally coming off St. Louis pushing you to that brink in being clutch and performing in that game in a hostile crowd. Chuka is always going to have that benefit of the doubt with the coach and the organization, because that also goes back up to Neely and Sweeney. If they both said something like, dude, like you got to like reassess this. And uh, you know, the, the real, the question comes out. Why was he in there after the fourth goal? Like you said, Patsy, that is the question. Not why did he start? Because I still think if, you know, he earned the right to start, but after he saw that he wasn't right, why was he not pulled? Why wasn't a trainer like, like, come on, you're done. Like that's, that's the question. In those two games, he gave up eight goals on 32 shots. He also had four goals and 16 shots, but right for that's, that's the first game. And then the second also game in game seven, the finals. No, I'm just talking about the two games that, you know, this year, yeah, I'm just saying, but, but like th- those are, do you want to expand that the must-win games? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, hold on, I have the the stat in my thing here. He's three for sixteen in elimination games. Because I know you have to uh, you have to head out uh, momentarily. Yeah, he's a uh, three and one at home with a goals against average of one point five six and a save percentage of nine forty. And I said that, you know, that would inspire hope that this was the right move. Like, if you go by the numbers, this is the right move. If you go by how he looked and the way he couldn't move at all, uh, yeah, I don't care what your stats are. Like, you know, how, which one of those games did he play with the the the, the fucked up labrum? So, well, yeah, I mean, and hockey players are a weird cat anyway. Like I said, didn't Bergeron in 2013 play with a punctured lung and yep. a broken rib? Yep. And the rib punctured the lung. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, in 2019 had the face mask because his jaw was he broken. fell, you know, t- again, Tuka will bow out pretty easily. As we know, history dictates mm-hmm. he felt like he could go. And, and and that's the only reason I will question Cassidy is not that he started him was he why was he in there after the fourth goal? Yeah. So, so I know you need to, uh, to head out. Uh, do you have any final thoughts uh, before we uh, jump over it? Cause this, uh, this, this, uh, Football question I have for you. We can save for another day. It's not, you know, I don't need to worry. Is it about Mac it. Jones? Why Mac Jones isn't starting? Uh, it has to do with Mac Jones, but yes. Uh, Mac Jones won't start this year. We'll, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about He's it. a rookie. Belichick doesn't play rookies. That's unless true. He absolutely has to. Um, no, for me, the Bruins offseason stands as this. Resign Krejci for a team-friendly deal. If not, goodbye. Avoid Tuka like Chernobyl in Signed Taylor Hall for three, uh, three for uh, uh, six, uh, three at six. So, and Same. then, get and defense. then get some defense. Um, they have to do the good thing about this coming up the AHL, they'll have app, they'll have a, they won't have this taxi squad, they'll have a better access to their farm system. Um, they got to rebuild the farm system drastically. Uh, it, but again, you have Kevin Miller for another year. If you can trade him, DeBrus- go for it. Get rid of DeRozan. Ruskin is three and a half million dollar contract. 
Well, 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 you guys can discuss Charlie Coley, Charlie Coyle's six year, six million dollar contract right. that he signed after the playoffs last year, two years yeah, ago. Oh, I know, I know. So, but, but you know, that I mean, that's the big thing is you know, um, got to resign Krejci and Hall, avoid Tuca. And if I'm them, I'm sitting down with McAvoy and being like, we need to lock you up today. If they can sign Riley back, I think that'd be very good too, that he was very good in the playoffs. Um, like I said, he had, you know, he, 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 him and McAvoy were the only defensive, you, anybody in the defensive with a point, with a positive points in the playoffs. And, and he, he, very, he worked really, really well in that second line. See what happens. But, uh, but anybody's listening, definitely read his article. It's very, very good. So thank you. Uh, where can folks find you and your show? Uh, they can find me. Uh, just Google it's go time with Jay and James. We actually just dropped the whole episode about uh, the Bruins and the Celtics pre Celtic pre Bruins exit. Uh, we're, our episode this week will be breaking down the Patriots schedule uh, in their off season as it stands today. Um, before I go kind of after that, I'll be on my uh, hiatus for maternity. Um, and, but you can find me on Google, Facebook, all those fun places as well as the dorkening.com. Uh, just search for us. And uh, we're there. All right. So. Thank you, James, for uh, joining us this evening. And uh, enjoy the rest of your night. You guys enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye, Ash. So here's a question for you. David Krejci says he wants to come back, and he's not not really concerned with money. But he doesn't want to play anywhere else. Do you bring David Krejci back at age 35? Absolutely. Because here's why. The chemistry that the Krejci, Taylor Hall, Craig Smith line had, phenomenal. So let me build on that. Do you bring Krejci back if you can't sign Taylor Hall? <sighs> and if so, what's your, what's your ceiling? What's your max deal that you're giving to David Krejci, who just made seven point, I think two five million. I don't think he should be the highest paid player on the team. And no, I don't was. think he ever should have been. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think that. I think it all depends on what other players want. So, so here's the thing. David Krejci really didn't get good this season. He really didn't start playing like we know David Krejci can play until the acquisition of Taylor Hall. You know, and he hasn't really played like David Krejci for quite a bit. You know, he he was decent last season. Yeah, he was. But like he was just in a in a slump this season, and we really couldn't get anything out of him. He wasn't, you know, playing good offense. He wasn't scoring goals. He was just kind of there. He wasn't setting anything up, right? And it's like you know, regardless of who was on that line with him, there just wasn't any chemistry. You know, they they even put like you know uh, pasta with him. They put Bergeron, not Bergeron, but but uh, Marchand with him. They put you know, yeah, but like it was just this this rotating you know line of characters players you know just just trying to figure out you know who can david krejci play with and it wasn't until after you know the um 
trade, trade deadline, deadline, you know, the acquisition of Taylor Hall, that he really started to find his footing. And it was because of Taylor Hall, that mm-hmm. the chemistry that those two had together. And then you throw Craig Smith into that mix. And all of a sudden we have a second line. We have a true first line and a true solid second line, which we hadn't had all season, you know, had for years. So it, it was nice to see. I think that if we can get those players back and recreate that chemistry, because if honestly, if we had had that chemistry throughout the entire season, would have been a different seating. It, exactly. Exactly. We, we may still be in the playoffs uh, at this point. They probably would have played. They would have played. They would have played Pittsburgh. No, they no, would have no, played the have, Islanders. No, they would have played the Islanders in okay. the first round. Oh well, <laughs> forget what I said then. Uh, so, just to give you some of the uh, uh, some of the salaries that guys are making, because you didn't answer the question, how much you would pay Krejci? See, so I hold on, let me give you some salaries, and you can tell me based on who these guys are and how they played, where you would slot Krejci in. Uh, Marshan makes six point one two five. Bergeron six point eight seven five. Pasternak 6.666, Craig Smith 3.1, Coyle five and a quarter million, DeBrusque 3.675. I say give Krejci three. Three years, no, two years, $6 million total deal. That's where I put him. And I would give Taylor Hall, everybody keeps saying three years, and I don't know why three years. Um, Give him three years with a player option of a fourth at six, maybe six and a half. But it's tough to pay him more than Marshand when Marshand is your best player and Marshand is uh, an alternate captain. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think anyone should really be making more than bergeron or marchand at this point and i mean and even well, pasta makes pasta more than well, i was gonna say like and even pasta you know to to an extent um mcavoy makes 4.9 grizzly rounded up 3.7 you know, i i think that if you you know david krejci two years five million that might be you're gonna you're asking him to take a five million dollar pay cut. That might be too much. I mean, I'm asking him to take, you know, three, three and a half, which is still like having his salary and you know, cutting his salary in half. Or I mean, you know I mean uh, if he goes for two point five, absolutely. Uh see, this is where I I that's that's tough though. It's... I'm I'm not good with the financial aspect of things and the salary cap and who has what and everything else. Like when it comes down to it, some p- players are paid way more than they're worth, and some players are clearly undervalued. Um, Charlie Coyle, I, I think, and DeBrusque make, make think way too much. That you know, it all depends on who wants to come back and. Yeah, it's tough. That's this is something we can think about and come back to. You know, like, in a couple I, I of weeks. Don't, I, I don't know what I would because no moves are going to get made till after the. Because I mean, here's Cup. the thing: I don't think anybody is immovable. I don't think anyone is, aside from a couple of players. You know, I don't think anyone is is you know locked in. I don't think anybody is you know solid. So, like, I. I think we should table this. Uh, discussion until after july 21st 
because that is when the expansion draft happens and we'll know who the Bruins have on their team and who they don't. So let's uh, let's give that some time and let's uh, let's get this wrapped up because we've been going for uh, quite a long time on the show. So um, one thing we mentioned last week about the crackdown on illegal substances being used by te- uh, by teachers by pitchers. Uh, since that happened, the Red Sox have responded with their worst five-game pitching performance from their starting pitchers. I mean, they're not the only ones. Like, runs have exploded all around the league, you know, especially a guy like Garrett Cole, who pitched no-hitter for the Yankees. All of a sudden, he's not dominating the way he has. Um, and the uh, most prevalent uh, of the illegal substance, from what I've been uh, understanding, is something called spider tack. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's apparently a way stickier and tackier than uh, pine tar. So they've been using that. I don't know what it's used for, but uh, that's something that we will keep an eye on. Although I will say the Red Sox swept the Yankees, which pushed them uh, five games behind the Sox and six behind Tampa because the Sox are still one game behind Tampa, but have a five game lead over the Yankees, which is awesome. Um, Moving over to the NBA. Uh, Hawks are up. Uh, I'm sorry. The 76ers are up on the Hawks after uh, a 2-1. Uh, they're up 2-1 after a convincing uh, victory in Atlanta. Atlanta won the first game in Philadelphia, and everybody was suddenly saying that they, you know, oh, the 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 Sixers can't handle them. Oh, they can't stop them. It's like they won one game. Let's settle down on this, you know. And the Sixers came back and smoked them. So apparently, Spider Tack is an ultra-tacky glue-like substance designed to help competitors in strength contests keep their grip on large weights known as atlas stones. Oh, those big-ass big stones. So it's yeah. like for the strongman competitions and stuff. So, so they don't they drop have... shit on themselves. Right. Oof. Yeah. That's, uh... Yeah, that belongs in baseball. Uh, there's no weightlifting in baseball. Well, not like that. You know, it's like oh, maybe these guys expected they'd have to throw atlas stones instead of baseballs. Maybe they got confused. Well, these baseballs are kind of heavy these days. Well, these atlas stones are awfully small. Uh, breaking news: Donovan Mitchell is leaving the uh, Clippers Jazz game, in which the Clippers are up 13 with just under seven minutes in the fourth. Uh, he is limping off. Uh, he has hurt his right knee. It looks like, uh, or his right leg. That's what I because you know, he's favoring that leg. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Jazz uh, are up on the Clippers 2-0. Uh, the Clippers also lost uh, big man Serge Ibaka for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, Brooklyn leads the Bucks 2-1. Uh, they came out and absolutely just trashed uh, Milwaukee in, in uh, Brooklyn for game two without James Harden. But uh, Brooklyn, uh, the Bucks came back and won, uh, won game three. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. I think uh, game two is uh, Sunday. Or game four is Sunday. Oh, yeah. Mitchell came down hard on his right knee and was hopping around. He took knee-to-knee contact with Paul George. And when he came down uh, going up for a rebound, he landed on his left knee to avoid putting any uh, weight on his right. Uh, And Phoenix is up on Denver, up on the Nuggets, 3 nothing. Uh, after uh, 27 points from Chris Paul. So he seems to have recovered from his uh, his nagging injury uh, that he suffered against the uh, Lakers. Uh, 
but uh, we will we will keep an eye on this Donovan Mitchell thing because that's uh, that's huge. If Utah loses Donovan Mitchell, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, he is back on the bench, and it looks like he's coming back into the game. It might have been just a stinger. Okay, so no uh, no real worries here. All right, it's not like the uh, the kid from the Jazz. I always forget his name now. Not Donovan Mitchell, not the Jazz. The um, the Nuggets, the one that he, uh, I always forget his name, but he, uh, tore his ACL and that kind of hurt the Nuggets. And that's probably why they're down three, nothing right now. Um, over to the NFL, Aaron Rodgers is officially a holdout at Packers camp. Not surprising, mm-hmm. not surprising. Um, Cam Newton still not practicing after whacking his hand on a guy's helmet in drills um, Mac Jones is the third quarterback on the depth chart, the way they're practicing and Stidham is currently at the top. So what does that mean for the Patriots? Well, knowing what we know about the Patriots, probably not a goddamn thing. Belichick is going to do what he does and, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jamal Murray, that's the kid's name. Jamal Murray from, uh, the Nuggets towards ACL, uh, a while ago. And that's why the Nuggets are in trouble. Uh, coach Rams coach Sean McVay said his happiness with Matt Stafford is not a slight to Jared Goff. Uh, the two were traded for each other uh, in Detroit. Uh, or, uh, the Rams had to throw in a bunch of first round picks as well in order to get Matt Stafford uh, off of the Lions and over onto the Rams. Um, you know, he's he said he's very happy with how... Uh, Stafford is playing and mixing in with that team. And I'm not surprised because I think Stafford is a far superior quarterback. And I think that he's going to do really well with the lions. And the big news in the NFL is that Julio Jones was traded to the Titans. And that's kind of where I was hoping he would go because I think that's going to make them a contender. Now, if they can help shore up that defense a little bit, um, they're still going to have to win shootouts, but you know, I don't think there's a defense in the league that can really stop them. Not with Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and Julio Jones, like they're they're going to be a nasty, nasty team. Uh, Slashers, do you have uh, anything you want to add? Baseball, basketball, football. What is life anymore? It doesn't matter. No Bruins. No Bruins. Whatever. Well, at least sulk in the corner. At least we can still watch the Canadiens lose, hopefully. But. All right. I think that's going to wrap things up. I do have some stuff that I want to ask James next time we talk to him. Definitely check out that show. It's go time with Jay and James. That's on Spotify. Uh, You can check them out on the uh, Dorkening Network. And you can also check James out on the Dorkening Wednesday night show every week. Uh, That one's always live on YouTube and on Facebook. So check that one out. Uh, Flash, is you going to your last pearls of wisdom? Until next time, kids, try to stay out of the penalty box. All right. Peace out. We out of here. Good night. Good night. I love you. Peace out. I'm out of here. (laughs) 